you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the success report. The success report. Yeah, I really think it's overstimulation. Too much six cents report. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Joel? I'm doing well, man. Keeping my family together. Oh, good, 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 good to hear. Well, recovering migrant migrants and the separation of the family, and whew, it's pretty intense um, emotionally. Yeah. No well, good answers. Yeah. Well. Well, well, let's just jump right into it. Uh, so I'm going to give you guys the background. So according to BBC News, um, the the policy which the administration initially defended, this US, the U.S. government had this policy, they initially defended as necessary to deter illegal immigration, sparked outrage in the U.S. and international. At the heart of it, was Trump's administration's decision to prosecute all adults who try to cross the U.S.-Mexico border illegally, many of whom plan to seek asylum in the U.S. Because migrant children could not be put in custody with their parents, they were separated. As a result, more than 2,300 children were, re- were removed at the border between May, Ju- May 5th and June 9th. The other key player is Jeff Sessions. The attorney general is the man who announced his Justice Department would now enforce the zero tolerance policy and has been one of its most vocal supporters. He said the short term separation of families was not unusual or unjustified. He quoted the New Testament and said, having children does not shield border crossing migrants from prosecution. Mr. Sessions said on Thursday, I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained the government for his purposes. So in light of um, what Jeff Sessions was 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 saying in regards to Romans 13 uh, I think heresy <laughs> it's funny because like you know you definitely got a lot of Christians riled up and um, you know you know everybody's whipping out their ESVs <laughs> to exegete this bad boy and walk through it you mean uh, the message can't be used for exegesis no no, no, no <laughs> oh, it can't man newsflash whoa just playing <laughs> So, okay, well, okay, well, for starters, let's let's just clear up this this Romans 13 issue. Um so very simply, Romans 13, 1 to 5, Paul lays out God's plan for government. Now, yes, it does say to obey government because it's a good thing and God has put it there for our benefit to maintain order, execute justice and encourage good. But the key aspect is this. Obey the government except when it would mean disobeying God. 
So the Bible is clear and it has many examples of where uh, people have, where God has encouraged disobedience, civil disobedience um, uh, to the government. So we have Acts 4, verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 18, Daniel 3, verse 7, Exodus 7, uh, verses 1 to 21, and Esther 4, verse 16. So the key question is this in light of Romans 13. Are you disobeying God by trying to get into the country through improper means? I, I think I want to reframe your question, mm-hmm. saying, is the law causing, which is you should not illegally cross the border, mm-hmm. causing you to disobey God? Yes. Yeah, that's, a, that's a better rephrasing. <laughs> yeah, right? that's right. Right, because the question is, does the law cause you to disobey God? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, then you don't have. Now, if you want to argue it's civil disobedience, and and you're a part of civil disobedience is to take the consequences of disobeying the law for symbolic purposes, not to then claim moral outrage. Now before anyone misinterprets what I'm saying, do I think separating children from their parents is something we shouldn't do? Yes. It's a good principle to, mm-hmm. to be concerned with, mm-hmm. but, breaking up the family. Um, right. right. I would also say with regards to Romans 13, though, it does not say the law is moral or the law is just. Yes, that's correct. Right there's a there's a heresy saying that even if this is within God's sovereign will, which is what I would understand uh, for His purposes, it's under His sovereign will. Everything under His sovereign will isn't necessarily good. Mm-hmm. Right, ISIS is under His sovereign will. Mm-hmm. Um, persecution of people in third world countries for no reason other than exploitation is under his sovereign will but is not good right so another way i would say it is uh will of decree will of command so we obey the will of command command but we do not obey the will of decree mm-hmm. we obey the will of command we do not obey, obey the will of decree so for the listener what's a will of do de- what's an example of will of decree um Hitler in power. Versus right. will of command. Uh, thou shalt not steal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. So we're clear. All right. So now let, let, let's talk about open borders, closed borders. Okay. Um, I, not, the, the, I, think, I, think that's, I think that's foundational to the conversation. I think it is, but most people don't actually perceive that. Well, most people think it's about the kids. Well. And that's what, there's so many levels to this that drive me nuts. People getting mad at Trump while not recognizing that this was a law put in place by Clinton, not Hillary, (laughs) Bill. Mm -hmm. So this is like a 20, 25 year old law. Put in by Bill Clinton. Put in by Bill Clinton that technically the change was strict enforcement. No exceptions. So wait, so sorry. So you're saying that this was also a policy that was in place when Obama was in office. That's correct. 
and families were being separated. Under Obama. Under Obama. You're kidding. No. So majority of people are just going, oh, I found a principle that I'm going to throw at Trump because I hate Trump. Mm -hmm. They're not actually engaging the topic of immigration, having a nuanced and understanding perspective that here's the law. Oh, Trump's made it. Um, no exceptions. I can't. There's a better term that they use, but I don't remember what it was. But there's a strict enforcement that anyone who crosses the border illegally mm -hmm. is going to be punished. Well, that was part of his campaign. Now he said he was going to build a literal wall, but mm -hmm. even if he doesn't build a literal wall, but he builds a figurative wall, mm -hmm. he's fulfilling his campaign promise. Like right. that's what people elected him to do. So I might disagree with him, but it appears at least that the public, at least excuse me, approximately half, wanted stricter enforcement of immigration rules mm -hmm. by the wall being such a, a pertinent issue during the election. Um, mm -hmm. But coming back to open borders versus closed borders. Oh my goodness. It's such a deep issue in that I mean, you can look at Milton Friedman, who's uh, an economist that basically said you can- Chicago eat. school? Yeah, he's got some, some libertarian underlyings in Chicago <laughs> schools, kind of <laughs> dissented. Um, but he basically said, and I'll, I'll share the video of his comments on illegal immigration, kind of interesting. Um, in the show notes. Yeah, in the show notes. Uh, there's a couple YouTube videos as well as- uh, some good sites summarizing his point, but the idea is that you can either have a welfare state with closed borders or open borders. And I, I would say if you're trying to evaluate morality of immigration policy, to me, the, the morality is we need to help people. Okay. Agreed. We're, the question becomes, how do we do that effectively and as efficiently as possible? To have open borders and a massive welfare state, I've, I've made the comment on this in conversation before, that will, like, if you had a doubling of the population, like use Canada, not the US, because the US is massive, but if our population added an extra 10 million people that in the short term were going to be on welfare, welfare system would collapse. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, uh, an, an abundant open borders perspective is, is not feasible with a welfare state. There's a need for structured immigration because of the welfare state. Right. That's good. Because, you know, <laughs> it's funny because with this argument or with this situation for, again, I, I was joking a little bit, you know, previously, but, you, you know, the children are being used as a principle to interpret immigration, even like by Christians. But the Bible is clear that, you know, the government has the responsibility to protect, to maintain order and protect its citizens. Right. So, you know, although it's not pretty, you know, they got to do what they got to do. Right, so they got to ensure domestic tranquility, provide the common defense, right, and just promote the general welfare of the people. 
So even like when you look at closed borders or or letting immigrants in, like those who enter who are not criminals. Now check this, Joel. If they're not criminals and and are still breaking the law and be by becoming um trying to enter into the country, right? They become like part of like this underclass subculture where like it's unfair to those who are actually trying to do it legally. Uh, there's no true record of these people when they do come to the country. Uh, they can be exploited, so it's even harmful for them, right? Mm-hmm. And there's little incentive for them to integrate to the society and, and, and fulfill their civic duty. You see what I'm saying? So even like... Because they don't yes. want to get kicked out yeah, of course. In, the, of course. in the attempt to... Because obviously being an illegal immigrant here mm-hmm. was better for them than where they were. Right, right. But but being a legal immigrant here could be potentially dangerous for them and their kids. But unfor- but the crazy part is they deemed that better than where they came from. Yes, yes, yes. Which is so, sad. So one of the things that, that I've heard proposed, I'm, I'm presuming it's from libertarians, is that we potentially have a class of immigrants who do not qualify for welfare. Mm-hmm. Right? Because technically... The best case scenario would be removing all of these problems that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But if they were no they weren't part of whatever, let's say, um, the regular laws that apply to an American citizen. So your access to different things mm-hmm. within a you know, whether that's welfare or whatnot. Now you've removed the negatives of them being illegal. I mean, essentially, I'm saying no welfare state for immigrants. Mm. Um, and it kind of addresses, I think, a lot of the concerns you have. Now, no one's going to approve that because they want, you know, I mean, too many people are pro-growing the welfare state. Mm. Yeah. Well, okay. Now, to be practical as Canadians, how does that affect us? Like, when we look at... You know, what's going on? You know, it's one thing you know, we watch this on CNN and we're like, oh boy, you know, that's terrible. Uh, what can we do to possibly help or how do, how do we compare? So that's what we're going to look at now. So there was an article on the Globe and Mail and it was talking about what we can do as Canadians uh, for the separated migrant children in the U.S. So over the past year, it is estimated that more than 20,000 asylum seekers have crossed the United States border into Canada in between official ports for, for entry. Many came to Canada out of fear that they would be deported by the U.S. government back to their home countries. So well, I'm going to give you like three. So three check our uh, episode on. Uh, we did an episode on this last. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, so I'll link it. Link to it in the show notes page, just kind of explaining how it all worked. Right. So, so, so there's, there's three things that we could potentially do to help these kids. So the federal government can consider suspending the safe third country agreement with the United States, which requires that refugees and asylum seekers request protection in the first safe country they arrive in so that families facing persecution can seek asylum in Canada at official border points. As long as refugee children cannot be guaranteed the, protect- the protections mandated by international convention, the United States cannot be considered a safe country. 
So the like I feel the predicament is that last sentence is like con- like confusing two issues. Uh, a person trying to illegally cross the border. Mm. Are you saying that their child is deemed a refugee? And therefore, because the government's going to separate them from their parent mm-hmm. at the border, therefore the U.S. isn't safe? Like it's just an unnuanced, like ignorant argument. I'm obviously you're not making it, but that's the point you're trying to summarize. That like because the problem with separating, like, there's no like, do I want families to be separated? No, but the problem with illegal immigration in the U.S. is you have people smuggling children, you have people using them as mules trying to come over the border. And you have to establish whether that that child is even with its parent. So if they're not with their parent, you want to separate them as quickly as possible. People are coming over, no documentation, no nothing. This is the part of the problem with illegal immigration. There's just such a nature of uninformed by the immigration um, cops or, or whatever. Right, um, right. Now, it, it's a matter of, this is these people are illegally trying to come here. Separating them is the way that we can protect them the best. Now, unfortunately, that's something we don't want to hear. Right, of course. Now, you know, it begs the question, how do we handle this situation? So Hannah Gross, a senior fellow with the University of Toronto's International Human Rights Program. Uh, she helped author a 2017 study of Canada's child detainment. And she said, uh, first of all, I think it's important to highlight that while the U.S. is a natural comparison point, this is not like any, anything we see in Canada. We don't detain children en masse, and we don't have family separations en masse. But that doesn't mean that there is no human rights violations being committed in the context of Canadian immigration detention. Children end up in detention in one of two ways. They're either under formal detention orders in cases where they're found to be either a danger to the public, a flight risk, or have an unclear identity. Otherwise, they can end up housed in detention in order to accompany their detained parents. The international community has been clear on the fact that children should not be detained or put in detention it is always a violation of their human rights. So in short, we do do. We do ha- put so kids in detention. What? So how do you resolve? Like The problem with that definition of a human rights violation is if a child is being brought from Mexico with a gang member who's pretending that they're their child, how do you separate them Without detaining the child. Like, right. you, oh, I have to commit a human's right violation to do the right thing. So how is that a human rights violation? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I get detaining children is problematic, but I mean, mm-hmm. the, the point I'm getting at is you're using the definition of detain in a, a reference to like prison 
oh, therefore, imprisoning children is a human rights violation. But in, but in this case, you're just you're trying to actually restore them to their family, which doesn't happen immediately. It can't. There's a process that needs to occur. And consequently, you have to detain them in order to achieve that. Right. So, I mean, it's like pretend like sticking your head in the sand and pretending like this can't it, like there's no like it's just mind boggling to me that we're using that definition of human rights violation. Well, because it's not nuanced. Right. Well, okay. Well, the, the next point is health professionals. So including physicians and pharmacists, uh, they can open their practices to refugee claimants by becoming registered as licensed providers under the IFHP. Otherwise, asylum seekers cannot receive these federally funded services. So, who's paying for this? I am. And as the quote from Trudeau has been going around, we don't have enough money for our veterans. So technically, isn't this money that's coming out of people who in our country who already need it, right? Like, are we saying that refugees deserve these services over Canadians living in poverty, the veterans? the elderly who have no family to take care of them. Like I can go on and on with a list of groups of people within Canada mm -hmm. who arguably are in need of similar funds, but we don't have an endless supply. And we, as I quoted Trudeau scenario, where he's saying we don't have enough for veterans. You know, where, where is this money coming from? What, what other things are we sacrificing? It's not as simple as like, Oh, they can receive federally funded services. Well, we we've had a conversation about healthcare, me and you, mm -hmm. um, where there's there's a problem with rationing of services. So this is just adding to that problem. It's not like we have extra capacity for services that they're just going to take this free extra capacity. Right now, the last point from the article was, what is best for children? Can advocate for humane and compassionate practices to receive and welcome newcomers to our country, regardless of how they arrive or what their status is. If we are guided by what is best for children, we will be all the more certain of taking the right path. I just, I think there's a false dilemma in that statement. There's, there's a, a claim inherently here that you're either pro-child or for closed borders. You, it's not possible to be for pro-child and closed borders because it basically says, welcome newcomers to the country regardless of how they arrive, which means immigration is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So, because and immigration is irrelevant and we need to do what's right for children basically they're saying open borders is the only pro-child option now okay all right okay so let me just let me just clarify this uh i love kids uh my parents are immigrants uh jesus was an immigrant jesus jesus went to egypt he fled to egypt to avoid persecution because 
Believe it or not, there was a king trying to kill him. <laughs> Yo, they were trying to kill the man. So his parents dipped. They went to Egypt. But Egypt didn't have a welfare state. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so like, like, like there's a context. Like, we have to think these things through. Who's going to watch these kids? Um, how are we, we going to support these people? You know what I mean? It's, it's not as cut and dry as, okay, you know what? Um, let's bring the kids here and we got coupons to send them to Canada's Wonderland for the day. That's just not, <laughs> that's not how it works, man. Yeah. Like this is like a fantasy. Oh, I, it's, uh, well, it's, and I would say to you, the other thing that bothers me is there's this attempt to contrast the can- Canada to the U.S. without recognizing the significant nuance in that I, I'm just purely speculating right now that the number of criminals that are illegally crossing the border in Canada is drastically low. Whereas, cause we're, we're bordered by water and the U S. Okay. Whereas the U S is dealing with yes. Mexico border. Yes. And MS 13, all the gang stuff. Uh, MS 13. What is that a plugin? What it's a, the gang from the Mexico. The, all those we'll put it in show notes yeah yeah ms13 if you listen to us news you'll know what's up um but the point i'm trying to make is if if you have to worry about even 25 percent of your illegal border crossers being criminals like gang members people that are operating in the realm of violence as the way to achieve their ends that's much different per like think about how much more concerned you're you have to pay to every person than if two to five percent of your illegal border crossers are um criminals or or gang members people that operate in that realm of mm-hmm. violence so what's what's your two cents my i guess simply in regard to that is there's so much nuance here there's there's so much nuance in terms of where the policy came from where how it's being enforced and the the immigration slash welfare context that anyone who's just holding up to or sorry holding up the idea that all that matters is separation of children from parents they're not being consistent with that principle we don't hear all these other issues where parents and children are separated regularly and this is another one on that platform that's just the moral outrage they have today in part of their anti-trump raid and by no means am i defending trump i'm just saying it's a dishonest (laughs) attack of him because that principle does not matter to them it only matters because it's the next cannon fodder that they're throwing at trump and we do need to have a conversation on this issue. We do need to engage. We do need to figure out what's the moral, what's the compassionate manner that we deal with refugees, illegal immigrants, regular, you know, normal immigrants, and, and that broad spectrum of people entering the country. Um, it's not as simple as, don't separate families, even though we don't want to separate families. What's your two cents, Darnell? Well... When it comes to immigration, the government has the God, 
given responsibility to maintain order and protect its citizens. The problem is the U.S. gets an influx of migrants and has the difficulty to, well, the difficult task of managing them. Uh, there is no easy way to sort through this. Uh, we know this because nobody is really offering a tangible solution. Though it's gut-wrenching to see children separated from their families, the government must do its job to maintain order and protect its people, not just from potential threats, but putting a burden on an economy that is not equipped to handle a mass amount of people. Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely want to hear your two cents. We want to know, you know, maybe there's an aspect of this issue you think we didn't address. Um, inbox us at uh, sixcentsreport at gmail.com or, or uh, Twitter, Facebook, at sixcentsreport. Uh, this issue is so nuanced. It's, it's such an, in my opinion, it's such an interesting topic because I think as a kid, my understanding of immigration was as simple as like, oh, you want to move to another country, you have to apply and done, right? If they deem that they can fit you in, you get to come in. Um, but just understanding there's so many complexities. Bringing in... And a, things that are overlooked. Yeah. And just pretended, or people pretend like, oh, this is a simple issue. And it doesn't matter that there's other people who could use the same funds. So, holla. Until we meet again. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.